welcome to the Staying Ageless podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be chatting about how to naturally enhance your endocannabinoid system. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys some background on the endocannabinoid system and provide you with some foods and nutrients that can enhance it. And later, we'll chat with Dr. Lakeisha, a traditional naturopath, registered herbalist, and teacher of the endogenous cannabinoid system. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in India, Netherlands, South Africa, the UK, France, Mexico, Canada, and the USA. I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Today on the show, I'm really excited to chat about the endocannabinoid system. Child, if you are wondering what in the heck that is, like I was, (laughs) the endocannabinoid system, or ECS for short, is the simplest way to describe it, I would say, is it's a system of physiology working within all of us to constantly maintain homeostasis or balance at a cellular level. The system was actually named after cannabis, which is what led researchers to find it. It is one of our most important physiologic systems involved in establishing and maintaining human health. But a lot of people don't actually know about it. So when we talk about the ECS, we have to talk about cannabinoids. What are they? Well, cannabinoids are fat-soluble, lipophilic, often medicinal, chemical compounds found in plants and mammals, and some have medicinal properties as well as cause feelings of euphoria. Of the maybe 85 or so known cannabinoids, the most well-known natural cannabinoid chemical is delta-9-tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC. THC is the primary psychoactive compound found in the cannabis genus of plants. The thing that's funny is that most of us don't realize that our bodies are also making cannabinoids all the time. Our cells produce and use cannabinoids in precise ways to respond to stress, illness, and injury, thus keeping us healthy. Phytocannabinoids are the cannabinoids produced by plants. Endocannabinoids are the cannabinoids produced within the body of humans and animals. And synthetic cannabinoids are the cannabinoids produced in laboratories. Interestingly enough, cannabis is not the only plant that produces healing phytocannabinoids. Many superfoods and flowers contain the healing compounds that nourish our endocannabinoid system. There are a few common plants we will cover today that also contain compounds that mimic the biological activity of the classic cannabinoid, but they actually have a slightly different structure. These are called cannabimimetic compounds. All right, so let's talk about a few plants that actually contain therapeutic cannabinoids. Cacao, hey, black pepper, Coneflower or echinacea, helichrysum, Chinese rhododendron, black truffles, electric daisy, Japanese liverwort are a few. Now, I want to talk about the ones that some of those you might have been like, child, what is that? Um, I had the same reaction. I'm going to talk about the ones that you probably have heard of, cacao, black pepper, echinacea, helichrysum maybe. 
Cacao is rich in a non-demine, an endocannabinoid that is naturally produced in the human brain and regulates mood, memory, appetite, and pain perception. Chocolate not only contains small amounts of a non-demide, but two other compounds that also slow its breakdown, which in theory would actually allow it the anandamide to circulate longer in your system and give you more of that bliss-like feeling. Anandamide is actually known as the bliss neurotransmitter because it causes a euphoric high when it's released. And it's often called the, the body's natural version of THC. Plant-derived anandamide, as found in cacao, lingers in the body, drawing out the joyful feeling longer than your average runner's high, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people love it. Cacao and cannabis are the only known plants containing compounds that connect to certain receptor sites in the human brain in a lock and key system. In order to absorb all the health benefits of cacao, it's important to source raw, organic, fair trade cacao, not processed or milk chocolate. It's the addition when you add the powdered milk to cacao that actually blocks the body's absorption of the healing nutrients of cacao. Next up is black pepper, which I've actually gotten so into black pepper essential oil lately. And and black pepper is a potent healing herb that surprisingly has a lot in common with cannabis. Not only does it contain a large amount of the terpene responsible for the peppery smell in certain marijuana strains, it also initiates a physiological response within cannabinoid receptor 2, or CB2. Black pepper provides potent anti-inflammatory properties that help ease pain from arthritis and osteoporosis. Then there's echinacea or coneflower, which engages the endocannabinoid system, the CB1 receptor specifically. It does this with cannabimimetics or ones that sort of mimic cannabinoids instead of actual real cannabinoids. Because it engages with the endocannabinoid system in this way, even though it's mimicking cannabinoids, this is why echinacea can relieve anxiety, migraines, fatigue, and arthritis. And the N-alkylamides, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, the N-alkylamides, NAAs, contained in echinacea are actually very similar to THC in the way they regulate pain, inflammation, and the immune system. All right. Most often used as an antidepressant and mood stabilizer, helichrysum actually contains a large amount of cannabigerol or CBG, a phytocannabinoid found in the cannabis plant. Helichrysum essential oil has been known to promote healing of wounds, and some even say its use in aromatherapy can heal emotional wounds. Because of its use in African ritual ceremonies, some researchers actually believe that helichrysum has psychotropic effects similar to cannabis. In addition to all the things I just mentioned, most of us have no idea that certain foods can help the ECS function optimally and improve your health. These foods include things like essential fatty acids. We talked a little bit about chocolate, herbs, spices, and tea. A healthy ratio of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids can enhance the activity of the endocannabinoid system. Endocannabinoids are produced from arachidonic acid and omega-6 fatty acid. Having enough arachidonic acid is essential for endocannabinoid production, but having too much can actually lead to downregulation of cannabinoid receptors. Excessive omega-6 intake is also as we know, pro-inflammatory, and most Western diets already contain an excess of omega-6, 
which we find in things like cooking oils, things like safflower oil, sunflower oil, corn oil, soy, um, and of course, animal products like meat, poultry, and eggs. Omega-3 fatty acids are needed to balance the omega-6 fats so that the endocannabinoid system can actually function properly. These fatty acids are much harder to come by in the diet and are also proven to have cardiovascular and neurological health benefits. An ideal ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in the diet is 1 to 1, and the typical Western diet usually has a 1 to 10 ratio. Yikes. And of course, there are both animal and plant sources of omega-3s. So some sources of endocannabinoid-enhancing fatty acids from plant sources include hemp seeds, hemp oil, flax seeds, flax oil, chia seeds, walnuts, and some animal sources, things like sardines, anchovies, eggs that are pasture-fed or omega-3 enriched only. There are numerous herbs and teas that contain compounds that enhance the ECS. There's a terpene that is found in black pepper, lemon balm, hops, cloves, oregano, cinnamon, and several other herbs that definitely enhances the ECS. Turmeric contains curcumin, which also raises endocannabinoid levels among its numerous other health benefits. It's also important to note that there are also foods on the opposite end of the spectrum that can disrupt the ECS. Certain pesticides are known disruptors. This is another reason why it's especially important to choose organic foods when shopping, at least when it comes to the highest pesticide-containing produce. Phthalates, I believe. Phthalates are frequently added to plastic and tin food containers and water bottles and are known to block cannabinoid receptors and disrupt the body's hormonal system. So choosing glass or stainless steel food containers and packaging whenever possible and never eating food that's been heating in plastic is a great idea. Remember that also that regular use of moderate to high quantities of alcohol can also impair the endocannabinoid system. So for optimal health, and endocannabinoid function, use moderation when drinking or avoid alcohol entirely. All right, all right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to chat with our amazing guests. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all-new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms if you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and Candida and Parasites Be Gone for those who are ready to kick Candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs, and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach 
all of the time. <laughs> the beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jump start on raw, I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Evolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant Living Foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Today's guest is Dr. Lakeisha. She's a traditional naturopath, registered herbalist, and teacher of the endogenous cannabinoid system. Dr. Lakeisha's core competencies include using herbs as the basis of nutrition to combat the symptoms of chronic, degenerative, and terminal illness. Her specialties include medical cannabis education, endogenous cannabinoid system balancing, and cancer prevention. Dr. Lakeisha has been involved in the medical cannabis industry since 2006 and became a founding board member and first elected president of California Cannabis Industry Association 2012 and served on the National Cannabis Industry Association Board from 2013 to 2015 as the California State Representative and the founding chair of their Minority Business Council. She has worked to ensure that all people have the right to choose medical options, traditional, alternative, or otherwise that support their healing and health journey. She has a sincere passion for empowering patients to understand their bodies and discover the gentle power of the healing arts. As a traditional naturopath, she enjoys being able to bridge the gap between Western medicine and the alternatives while providing a safe and nurturing atmosphere in which to heal. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jenkins, for joining me on Staying Ageless. I'm really excited to have you all the way from Jamaica. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to ask you, first of all, I'm always curious about how people got into what they do in general. So if you could give us the abridged version of what drew you to naturopathic medicine and also herbalism. Um, really, when my oldest daughter was diagnosed with two different types of brain tumor in 2002 when she was eight years old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And going through chemotherapy, radiation, brain surgeries, and those types of things. Um, yeah. it um, That was definitely my catalyst for change, uh, for incorporating, wow. you know, more traditional therapies and researching them and, you know, just trying to find alternatives or things that could help her. Wow. That is deep. Wow. So then you basically started studying from there. So you weren't on this path at all before then? Not really. Um, my grandfather is a healer, you know, like he's, um, he could go out into the woods of Mississippi and pick like all kinds of shrubs and berries and like, you know, make concoctions that are helpful for a number of ailments for our family, for, you know, the neighborhood or whatever. And he was really good at that. So it's definitely like a part of a part of our existence, you know, part of our culture and history. But, you know, as far as like doing that, like as a profession or, you know, something like that, no, 
I was really into food science and things like that, but never, never until my daughter was diagnosed, was it like a, like a life path. I think that's the best way to describe it at this point. It's like a life path. Hmm. Wow. So you're an expert on the endocannabinoid system. I don't really think I understand it. I feel like the average person has never even heard of it. True. I would love for you to explain what it is and why, why we should care. So the endogenous cannabinoid system, like think about it as like signaling pathways. Um, so there's these signaling pathways that run through the length of our body. And um, so we have like over 300 receptor sites, you know, that make up the endogenous cannabinoid system. And our brain produces endocannabinoids, which are fat soluble enzymes that go along these pathways, speak to these receptors. And that's really what the um, endogenous cannabinoid system is. But I think what people don't understand is the fact that it is actually our master regulator. It actually regulates Hmm. just about everything in the human system. And it is the epicenter of homeostasis or balance into the system. Because of the regulation of different processes? Yeah, so it regulates. So homeostasis, you know, or balance, that's the optimal operating condition of the human body, right? It's where we all attain to get. Like you're just, you're working in optimal condition. And so that requires like all the systems in your body to be performing optimally for you to be at homeostasis. Everything has to be functioning the way that it's supposed to. So the regulatory function of the endogenous cannabinoid system is able to induce that state because it regulates things like cognitive patterns and sleep functions and digestive patterns and inflammatory response and our endocrine system and our central nervous system and cardiovascular system. (laughs) It regulates all of those things. So it has the ability to induce homeostasis because of the regulatory function and actions of the endogenous cannabinoid system. Got you. Why is it something that I feel like I haven't heard that much about and, and unless I've started to dig a little deeper? Like, why is that? I think because it was discovered um, in the 60s and really the function was quantified in the 90s. So um I don't think that it was something, and I think it's such an intricate system and we're still learning so much about it. And there's not a lot of research still, you Mm -hmm. know, to this point for us to have like definitive answers. But um, I don't think we understood, you know, first of all, even how hardwired we are to interact with botanicals. And with this particular system, we have a set of botanicals that have a chemical profile that is almost exact to something that our brain produces naturally. And I think that that's just, you know, had escaped us maybe in science. I, I don't think that it's new, you know, but I think the actual quantification of, okay, this is a system, it exists in this exactly what it does. I think probably in traditional medicine, folklore and all of those things, it's known. It was a known fact, but to actually have quantitative evidence against it. That's rather new. That's rather new. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So cannabinoids are actually found in cannabis, correct? Phytocannabinoids. Yeah. So plant cannabinoids. Ours are endogenous. So endocannabinoids is what our brain produces naturally. And so phytocannabinoids are the plant cannabinoids. So yes, 
They're found, it's found in cannabis and hemp, but a number of other botanicals like cacao is chocked full of anandamide, like passion flower has a cannabinoid profile, skullcap and catnip and hops. And lots of botanicals have a phytocannabinoid profile. Yes. No, I think that that, I think that's an important thing to stress because I think a lot of people get hung up on the cannabis only. And it's like, wait, no, there's a bunch of a plant life right. that actually influences this. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Because like I said, we're hardwired to interact with botanicals. It's it's nutrition. Plants are nutrition. So do you feel like the endocannabinoid system kind of, you could make an argument that we are designed to mostly eat plants with that? Absolutely. I think we're designed to interact with plants on a number of things. Like if you take like, you know, wheatgrass, for example, the chlorophyll in wheatgrass is almost identical to human hemoglobin. Yes. You know, if you take the sugar that breaks down when you cook um, Jerusalem artichokes, it's almost identical to insulin. We're hardwired to interact with a number of botanicals. It's not just like cannabis or hemp, and it's not just the endogenous cannabinoid system. It's mm-hmm. our body as a whole. We need vitamins, minerals, amino acids, you know, all of those things, enzymes to perform, you know, bodily functions. And we get those nutritionally from foods. So we're in, we're hardwired. It's, 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 it's the way that we're built. Absolutely. That makes sense. Interesting. So what is, what is endocannabinoid deficiency? I was seeing this tossed around and I was like, I'm trying to understand what that means. Like, what does that mean? And what could that lead to? What that means is our brain produces endogenous cannabinoids naturally. But as we age, as we go through stressful situations, as we have acute illnesses or other things, we produce less we're going to produce less. It's just like everything else. You don't produce enough vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin K, enough iron, enough magnesium. You don't produce. You have to consume things to get that supplementation. So to think that that would be different, you know what I mean? That wouldn't be the same, you know, sort of rule of thumb for the endogenous cannabinoid system. We have this system and our brain produces endocannabinoids, but you know what? We produce so much that we just, we don't even need to worry about it. Like, right. we've got that on lock. No, right. that doesn't work with any other system in the body. And it definitely doesn't work like that with the endogenous cannabinoid system either. You know, it's just, yeah. it's the same, you know what I mean? It's not foreign. It's the same principle. It's the exact same principle. And especially when you talk about stressful situations, stress you know, you're definitely going to produce less of everything because your body is working to keep you alive (laughs) while you're going through this, you know, fight or flight, you know, sort of response. And so, and we all live with just an enormous amount of stress that doesn't even make any sense, you know, these days. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely produce less, definitely produce less. That makes sense. So that for me ties in with longevity in the sense that over time, Does that mean that we need to be paying attention also to, in order to optimize for longevity in general, do we need to be paying attention to consuming more phytocannabinoids? Absolutely. We need to be consuming them nutritionally. So um, think about this. The endogenous cannabinoid system is developed very early in gestational age. It's one of the first things that's being developed when you're being developed. (laughs) Every mammalian species and some invertebrates have and endogenous cannabinoids, you, did you hear what I said? Every mammal on the planet has an wow. endogenous cannabinoid system. And so 
Um, endocannabinoids are actually found in breast milk. Like that's what you're actually, so the first food of life, what you're getting is chocked full of endogenous cannabinoids. That's nutritional wow. supplementation at its finest, you know, from day one, like that's what it is. And we should really be looking to, yes, nutritionally supplement our endogenous cannabinoid system like from day one, like we need to, they, you know, they encourage breastfeeding and they probably didn't even realize, you know, before the discovery and quantification of the endogenous cannabinoid system, how really important that really was, you know, why is that the best food, you know, for the first of life? Mostly because it's giving you your endogenous cannabinoid system support, the master regulator. So absolutely, nutritional mm. supplementation is necessary for everyone. Unless you're a small child or exclusively nursed, you probably are suffering from some sort of endogenous cannabinoid system deficiency that requires supplementation. That makes sense. So what kinds of, so if I'm trying to take this advice and practically apply it, it's like, what kinds of things do I need? You mentioned cacao. Like what kinds of things can I practically add to my diet in, in you know, moderate amounts or higher amounts to help me with this? I think where people can start, you know, and where they can get the nutritional support because it's readily available and legal everywhere to access is what like hemp. Hemp is a superfood. It has all of the vitamins, minerals, Love amino hemp. acids, everything that's required to sustain life is found. So you have hemp protein powders, you have hemp seeds, you have hemp oil, you have hemp milk, you have all of these things that are available. For me personally, I like adding like hemp protein powder to like different things. Cause then I'm getting like protein and I'm getting fiber and then I'm getting all of the nutrition that I need, you know, at the same time. And I'm supporting my endogenous cannabinoid system. Like, mm. like that's like, you know, so I try to incorporate those things you know, into my diet. And then, you know, sometimes, especially when it's like in stressful situations again, or things like that, I like to use other herbs that have a phytocannabinoid profile like passion flower, like lemon balm, like skull, mm. soothing, healing, you know what I mean? Calms you great on the, to work on the central nervous system, those types of things. I'll use those to just, you know, as like adaptogens, even just to keep my system functioning the way that it should be and keep me, you know, optimal. But at the same time, while I'm getting other benefits from those herbs or from those other, you know, um, foods, I'm also getting endogenous cannabinoid system support. So I love that. Is there a way to quant, like, is there a way to measure the no. strength or health? No, <laughs> I wish there was. Listen, that's a, you just, you struck a nerve. <laughs> I'm triggered. Cause you know, at that point you want to know, like, if, at that point you want to know, you want to know, yes. if, can I test to see if my end endocannabinoid system is working? I wish, I wish. And that's the thing that I preach all the time is that we need to be there on the research. Cause like, there's no mm. test to say, or no metric to say, you know how you have the food pyramid, like, right? Yeah. You need this yeah. much protein, this much, this, this much, that, you know, you have all that and you know what your daily required values are, vitamin, minerals, whatever it is. There's yes. no daily required value chart that I can look at and say, like, how many endocannabinoids do I need in my system and which ones <laughs> and what right, do they do? Right. You know what I mean? And then I can't go to the doctor and get like a simple laboratory test. Like when I get my blood drawn, they can tell me how much, you know, vitamins, minerals or whatever I have in my blood and what I'm deficient in and what I need to do to fix that. No, there's no test that exists like that for the endogenous cannabinoid system. So it's like, hmm. you know, 
you're on your own. Good luck I with know. that. I know. We need to get on that. So yeah, we do. It sounds like you were mentioning stress. It, I mean, it sounds like just in general, paying attention to your holistic nutrition is going to optimize the function of your endocannabinoid system. Definitely. What about like, you know, is there any data or just any sort of, you know, knowledge around like exercise or other, or like meditation or any kinds of things like that? No, because the endogenous cannabinoid system affects and enhances all of those things because it regulates your cognitive function. You can't even meditate right if, if it's not, you know, can't even meditate right if it's not. If you're not supplementing your endogenous cannabinoid system, it really has, you know, um, a function on, you know, endurance and recovery and those types of things when you're talking about exercise. So it has, you know, positive outcome effects on all of those things. So it's yeah. not like the those things affect the endogenous cannabinoid system. The endogenous cannabinoid system affects those things. So if you want to do those things more optimally... Yeah you need to pay attention to the endogenous cannabinoid system first. If you want to have a true health and healing and homeostasis, it almost doesn't matter. Like when you come to me and you're like, I'm going through this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, well, let me try to fix that root cause. But at the root cause, you're not in homeostasis. That's the root cause. And if the endogenous cannabinoid system induces homeostasis, then like, what are we even doing here? Like, it doesn't matter this other stuff that I'm doing because like, your master regulator is not regulating. So you're only going to get so far. It's only going to do so much for you. You're not going to get that true, you know, efficacy that you're looking for. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I do not ever recommend cannabis when I don't really feel like I am qualified to do so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think you, people should be very careful with it. Definitely. But what exactly is cannabis doing with this system? Like what is happening when you, when you're, I mean, I guess there's many ways to consume or use cannabis, but I'm just curious. So, um, it's speaking to the receptor. So the, um, endogenous cannabinoid system receptors, when it was quantified, you know, we had the CB1 and the CB2 receptors. That's what we knew about. We're up to seven endogenous Mm. cannabinoid system receptors now that are being researched and it's they're found everywhere throughout the length of your body like your entire lymphatic system all of your organs your skin even your skin is your largest organ cb1 and cb2 receptors are there so you have all of these receptors so what is happening is the highest concentration though of endogenous cannabinoid system receptors are in our brain and in our gut There's a lot to be Mm. said about gut health. Don't get me started. You know, the microbiome and all of those things. Please don't get me on a soapbox about that. But even then, again, you know, while everyone's preaching about that, they're still not taking the endogenous cannabinoid system into account and the fact that the highest number of receptors are in our gut and how much that affects our gut health. Wow. So when you're talking about what Hmm. does it do, will you consume? Because really... That's the best method of administration is actually ingesting, you know, a phytocannabinoid supplement, whether it's a tincture, whether it's a food, whether it's a whatever, ingesting it, it's going and hitting those receptors in your gut now and circulating throughout your entire endogenous cannabinoid system receptor, all of the sites, and it's speaking to them, you know, it's making those biological connections that are required 
for our body to perform. That's really what it's doing in its most simplistic manner. But that's what all food does when <laughs> you're eating it. It's, doing the, it's the same exact principle. It's nothing foreign. I really look at it as nutritional supplementation. And I think of cannabis more like a vegetable than anything. Like it's it's a mm. food. It's a, it's a vegetable. It's a nutritional supplementation. So really it's not like, should I be using this? Yes, you should. The question is what product in what dose and what delivery or method of administration? Those are the really the questions that you need to answer. So cannabis and hemp, same plant. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Same genus, same family. It's cannabis sativa, regardless. It's whether you have a THC concentration of 0.3% or greater. Then if you have it raw, the THC has an acid chain on it that actually blocks the receptor for psychoactivity. So you're really talking about more nutritional supplementation now. So really, you know, like at the end of the day, when we're consuming not just, and we can't even limit it to just phytocannabinoids because there's terpenes and there's flavonoids and there's lipids. There's other like actual active constituents of the plant that all play together synergistically Mm. to work with that endogenous cannabinoid system. So I say that to say this whole plant, whole plant nutrition, not even whole plant medicine, whole plant nutrition. Don't isolate constituents. Don't take one of the cannabinoids or two of them and say, these are the one or two that are cool. No, you need all of them because we're not at the point. All this that we've talked about today, like we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. What I do know, we're not at the point that we should be isolating anything because we don't Mm -hmm. know. Love that. Love that. So if you want to optimize your endocannabinoid system, eat plants, basically. Yes. Eat plants and get your life together. Yes. (laughs) I don't need you to get your life together and eat some plants. (laughs) This has been such an awesome interview. Is there anything else you would like to add before we close out? Yes. Phytocannabinoid supplementation is required for the maintenance of human life. Health and medical disparities are being created because of the misinformation and lack of education around the endogenous cannabinoid system and the necessity of nutritional supplementation to support that system for true health and healing and homeostasis. So get your life together and eat your plants. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Where can people find you online? Dr. Lakeisha. So it's uh, Dr. Lakeisha. Dr. Lakeisha is actually, um, it's a trademark and it's, it's, it's me. So when you look up Dr. Lakeisha, you should be able to find me and just me. Um, Dr. Lakeisha.com, Dr. Lakeisha on all social media. Um, Just Dr. Lakeisha. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Thank you. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know by now that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients and 46 antioxidants, and every part of the amazing plant can be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face twice a day, and then I also use Moringa powder to add to my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from an amazing company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part? 
every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. Yes, child, to date they have planted over 2 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right, it's time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is slide up in my DMs on Instagram at therawgirl or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today's question is from Brittany, who reached out to me via Instagram. She says, I get constant migraines. Could they be triggered by my diet? How can I prevent them? Hi, Brittany. Thanks so much for reaching out. Migraines are horrible. I used to have migraines in high school and it was horrible, horrible, horrible. I would have to be like hiding in the dark um, because any sort of light would actually make them worse. So I feel your pain. The thing about migraines is preventing them really has to do with really figuring out what the root cause is. So that's what I want to get you to focus in on. I have seen clients that have migraines due to hormonal imbalance, food sensitivities, blood sugar issues, inadequate sleep or chronic sleep deprivation, or even things in the environment that trigger them. It's possible to get migraines as your body withdraws from caffeine or alcohol consumption. Bright lights and sun glare can induce migraines. So can loud sounds, really strong smells or synthetic smells. Things like perfume, paint thinner, secondhand smoke can also trigger migraines in some people. So you really want to figure out what is your root cause so that way we can figure out if you can prevent them. You said you get them a lot. According to, I guess, the way that it's defined, chronic migraines are defined as having at least eight migraines per month or so. So I don't know if you fit in that category. Or um, 15 or more migraine or headaches per month. Anywhere in the range of 8 to 15 per month, and you're definitely in the chronic category. And there actually are 3.3 million people in the United States that are living with chronic migraines, and nearly two-thirds of those people are living with chronic migraines and have not even been properly diagnosed. In your particular case, I really highly recommend that you work with a holistic health practitioner to work on getting to the root cause of your migraines so that you can actually prevent them sustainably. So it's not just a quick fix that's going to make them stop for a moment and then they come back again. Hope that helps you. Okay, everybody. I hope that today's episode gave you some insights on what in the world the endocannabinoid system is and how to enhance it. I know I learned a lot in this episode. Today, I leave you with an inspiring quote by Anne Wigmore, who said, 
The food you eat can be either the safest and most powerful form of medicine or the slowest form of poisoning. I hope this episode encourages you to continue learning about your health journey and how to make your food your medicine. This week, I challenge you to consider before you eat anything, is this medicine or is this poison? Child, remember it's the small decisions we make that can have a far-reaching impact on our health. Get control of your daily habits and you can set yourself up for success. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you are looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. To watch the interview on video from this and past podcast episodes, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash The Raw Girl.